0: is the stuck mike abcast an aviation podcast by the pilotreport.com about learning to fly living to fly and loving to fly
1: Thanks for tuning in to episode number 10. Today's show starts with a discussion about flying in gusty winds, planning an international trip to the Bahamas and Turks and Caicos, complete discussion on using NOTAMs and how they've saved my bacon, altitudes and airspeed requirements on a standard terminal arrival procedure, our picks of the weeks, and more coming up next on the Stuck My AfCast.
0: Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Neuville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, everybody, and welcome to
1: another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast with your hosts Len Costa, Victoria Nouvel, Carl Valeri, and Rick Felty. You are listening to episode number 10, another attempt at broadcasting live while we record the episode.
0: Let's do the pre-flight.
1: Real quick uh, reminder before we do get the show started this evening, I did want to... Let everybody know. Uh, in the last couple of shows, I've been trying to, to tell everybody about our secondary classic feed that we now have for an MP3 only file for folks that um, don't necessarily have um, a device that's compatible with the enhanced version. You can download the MP3 feed. Just uh, search us in iTunes for Stuck Mike Avcast MP3. Um, so. so- Hey!
2: So we made it to double-digit episodes. We I know this is episode number Woo-hoo. ten. I was, I was thinking I'm yesterday. It's kind of right.
1: like uh, what is this like our third month anniversary roughly? Yeah, yeah, June, July, August. Yeah, third month anniversary. Aww, very good. Sweet. Good job. Aww. Aww. What, what did you get us? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> uh, I gave, I've got. A cake. I've got a donation for you. Somebody gave us a donation, so I owe you all two dollars.
2: Oh, very nice. Oh, so thank you, to whoever did that. Right. Wow. <laughs> double
1: my pay <laughs> <laughs> oh wonderful that's awesome now entering cruise flight well I wanted to start out actually with Rick uh, Rick you wanted to you, huh. you had talked about this a little bit in the, one of the last episodes talking about um, the flight that you had did out to Plymouth and I think that your your topic this evening sort of goes along with that if you wanted to, to yeah. start us off tonight
2: Sure. I mean, I guess I'll, this is sort of the portion of the show that is, you know, questions from from new pilots about about flying, and um, wanted to get your guys' sense of how you approach this. Which is, you know, if you're if you're going in, you know, you're 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 flying somewhere for for the day, or you know, you've you've done your homework, you know what's happening, and you're aware that, you know, it's there's some there's some good winds that are that are that are manageable, and there are gusts, and I don't even we don't before we even define you know how big the gusts are. There you feel they're in your you know they're in your wheelhouse and you can you can handle them. Do, when you're you know when you're and you're, you're approaching you know a landing, and you know there are gusts. You've you've checked the you know the 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 winds and you're aware that they are there. How you know how do you do you do you do a, a calculation on uh, how to. Uh, how to handle approach speeds with regard to gusts, because um I know there are suggested formulas based on a percentage uh, a gust factor, uh, and then you you know probably increase airspeed by a certain amount, and i don't know, I just don't know how many people do that regularly with some degree of precision, like in their head the mental math, I'm going to now do this, or is it is it more of a feel thing you know you can tell that based on how you're getting pushed around, you probably want a little more power come in. And, and I don't know how, who to start with, but I, I think that's the general question is, I think there are people probably working on this who wonder, you know, who are working through their own scenario of how to manage that. So is there is there a rule of thumb or what would you guys say?
1: Uh, Carl, why don't you tell, well, tell us if you have well, a particular rule say, of thumb of- and I'll talk about my technique after.
3: Okay, sure. They, they You know, the, the one thing that I always used to teach my students and still do, is that I take whatever, and this is basically going back to pilot's handbook, is that we should take half the gust factor and add that to our airspeed as we're landing. So, for instance, say the winds are 5 gusting to 15. You know, there's a gust factor. In other words, there's a gust of 10 knots, difference Mm -hmm. between 5 and 15. So I'll add 5 knots to my approach speed. Uh, Some people also say they'll do it, like, they'll come around on a short final of a 1.2 Uh, VSO, uh, stall speed. Otherwise, they'll do a 1.3. The other thing to look at is not just airspeed. Uh, It's also a flap setting. Uh, Mm. Normally, and and we do this also at at the airline, we'll come in with a, a different flap setting. We won't put full flaps in. We'll come in at a higher airspeed. We'll put more speed on to our approach speed. And, again, using half the gust factor normally. And also, when we're when we are approaching, we'll brief ourselves on the on the go around, using less than full flaps and and higher airspeed will give you more authority on your ailerons, and, and therefore make it more controllable while you land. But also, by not having full flaps during your go around, you'll actually be able to reconfigure the aircraft quicker. So that's ah. that's the general rules that we use. Interesting. How about you, uh, Len? That's
1: yeah. Well, it's very. Well, how would you add to that? Very well. It's a similar thing, and and one of the I think one of the. One of the starting things that I consider is um, basically always monitoring the airspeed down final approach just to make sure um, that I think I'm more susceptible or not susceptible but more um, aware of getting too slow uh, getting you know being fast is obviously another issue but my my usually my major concern is getting too slow when you've had um, a loss in that gust, which can sometimes turn into a shear. Mm. So uh, I usually monitor my, mm. you know, my speed closely, sort of similar to what Carl said, by adding, um, adding half of the gust factor to, uh, to your approach speed. But my, my, you know, my primary focus is ultimately making sure that I don't get too slow, uh, mm-hmm. especially on short final. Uh, what about you, Victoria?
4: I don't do math. The <laughs> math do not get along. I
2: had, you know, I had a feeling. Oh, that's right. probably why I said what I said, which is I have a feeling you would just feel it. Feel it.
4: it. <laughs> yeah, I'm a feeler. The, the, yeah. uh, most of us women are anyway. We're, we're emotional. We're feelers. We like um, that about
2: you. <laughs> I mean, not you personally, just women in general. Okay.
4: Oh, okay, good. Go it is a good thing, believe me. Yeah. Um, but I, I just carefully monitor, you know, my airspeed, which is important, your descent rate. Um altitude, Mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. And just small adjustments to get what you need to have a nice, you know, calm descent down to the runway. And if I'm kind of like Len, where I don't worry too much about the too fast, I'm really worried about the too slow, because if it's too fast, and you always can do a go around. And also, if you have a long runway, you have lots of time to lose that speed.
2: Right. You can bleed it off. Exactly. Yeah, cool. Well, that's I mean, that's good. I mean, that's I just thought it was a Interesting topic to to kind of touch on. For I know we have a number of listeners who are who are students or who are new, and and uh, and we range from that end to the to the professional ranks. So um, I thought that would be an interesting little topic. So that's good. That's good. Heads up. There's, uh, and there's go ahead. No that's all
1: uh, there's one thing i I wanted to just refresh I think I talked about it in one of the first episodes was um consider you know taking into consideration when you're flying in gusty winds what the airport environment is like, especially if it's a runway that has trees or obstacles or terrain on certain sides of it. Um, you also have to consider that once you get to or at or below tree level that to remind yourself that those trees and those obstacles may be masking. The wind and the gust and you could uh, and that's another reason why i'm more concerned about getting too slow because the airplane Mm. can sink out of you Um, i've had an instance that i don't talk about in public but um, where i was in an aircraft and we did get too slow and we had a hard landing and and that's exactly why i don't um, you know i'm more concerned about getting too slow Uh, so you have to think about that as well like Victoria said, if you're too fast, you can fix that. If you're too slow, you know, it's. I think you're worse off.
2: Right. Of the two, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it, I
1: mean, it, You go ahead.
3: I was going to say, one more comment is that you can always go around. Right. Don't always, right. always think you're going around on a gusty day. Right. And uh, don't forget that because too many people think they have to land the airplane. You always have that in the back of your mind. You can go around. You know, we have so many accidents of, due to landings, primarily because of crosswinds and gusts. And mm-hmm. we can prevent those, but if we simply just went around.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So. <laughs> cool. Thanks. Thanks.
1: Yeah, you bet. Um, awesome. So, let's see. Uh, Victoria, I wanted to hear about your – you're planning a trip to the Bahamas and, uh, and the other, some islands down there. And uh, you're going to cool. kind of share with us the experience and things that you've learned in that process.
5: Yes, I am planning. I am hoping that it happens. (laughs) So um, if people put on that donate button to Victoria for Bahamas trip, I would not mind. But Where's I, that
3: button again? I'm going to go to it right now.
5: Yeah, do it, quick. <laughs> before, you change your, before
3: you change
1: your mind.
5: <laughs> um, I, I always love to plan and think ahead. And unfortunately, like I planned the whole entire trip the other day, like what places we're going to stay at, what we're going to do, what islands we're going to visit. And then I was like, I should probably look at the rules. <laughs> um, so pretty much, first off, what you need is you're going to another country, obviously. So everyone aboard will need current passports. And the pilot-in-command needs a pilot certificate that reads English Proficient. Hmm. Right. So um, not many have those unless in the past, I think, a year or two, if you've gotten a new certificate, that it'll – it's really cheap to get one, though. Um, Right. The aircraft needs, first of all, your uh, registration, a radio station license, um, the limitations and weight and balance for that aircraft, a life vest for each person transponder with mode C and a 12-inch N number. Um, One of the tricky requirements right now is that they are allowing um, aircrafts with 121.5 megahertz ELTs in, but that's only until February 2012, where supposedly they're revisiting that rule. Mm. So um, that's something to think about time-wise. If you do not have the new version and only have 121.5, that could be a factor in if you go after February or if you go before February next year mm. um, it used to be that only certified aircraft were allowed in the Bahamas um, but they recently have allowed LSAs and experimentals um, knowing that will increase tourism but there's some extra work you got to do there I don't think it's much more than applying for like a certificate Um Let's see, and another important thing to consider when flying uh, to and from the Bahamas is you can't just go from any old airport. You have to leave and enter through an airport of entry. There's only certain airports that do that. Um, You have to go through customs, obviously. So um, that will be a factor in your planning of where you go. Um, As if I weren't excited enough already when picking out the islands to hop to, I never realized how close the Turks and Caicos Islands are to the Bahamas. Um, in fact, Providentiales is only about an hour flight, uh, from some of the Bahama out islands. So I immediately was like, all right, another country (laughs) Mm. and, um, looked into that. And first of all, you need to notify, um, customs one hour prior to your arrival, which is easy. It's about an hour flight. Um, you must have a data plate and your operating limitations. And there's some sort of international fees associated with these flights since you're in international waters and they have, um user fees so um that's just the basics of it
2: i have a ton of questions
5: you do awesome i'm not an expert yet no 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 but it's interesting
2: like for instance i so i thought well while she's talking i'll go to sky vector and see where she's gonna go huh it's not there the sectional what sectional is it you know how do you that's a it's a different you know it's a different country right
5: exactly so you have
2: to get a sectional from some other source or who provides those or who makes those
5: Exactly. And it's important to get a current one. I heard it's been really hard to find current sectionals for Mm -hmm. that location, um, getting them from the U.S. Um, There's a lot of resources for pilots out there. I started at um, AOPA. They have like a whole list of to do's and then there's a couple um, books on it and lots of web pages uh, about island hopping in the Bahamas.
2: So it's you said it's an hour. So that's an hour uh, once you take off from wherever your departure airport is. It's yeah, an hour an hour over water essentially in your plane. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Cool. Um.
5: I estimate it for basically any, you know, your usual plane from, you know, Cessna on. It's about an hour, hour fifteen minute flight from one of the out islands to the Turks and Caicos. Oh, I see. And then um, from like Fort Lauderdale Executive to mm-hmm. one of the first airport of entries in the Bahamas is anywhere from a half hour to an hour.
2: So. Oh, I see. It's cool. easy. It's quick. Nice. Wow, that's pretty. That's just a. That's great Go ahead.
3: So, Victoria, did you go to the pilotpub.com? Did you look up information there on the guide no, there, that guy? No, that wasn't one of them. What's that that's site again? Actually, I think it's called pilotpub.com. Pub, pub, but, like uh, they have the Sounds Bahamas. Like a bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they have the Bahamas guy there. To it now. You can actually uh, <laughs> order their a uh, the whole package that includes. Uh, char- you know, I, I used to be down in the Bahamas, right? And uh, that's where my business was. And uh, oh. we everybody everybody would use this guide. And I think it's one of the best ones. And now they actually have it for the iPad. And you can get a, a downloadable to your iPad. And uh, as a matter of fact, pretty much every, you know, we our airplane goes to the Bahamas all the time. Uh, I personally don't, but uh, my partners go down to the Bahamas a lot, and they, they use this guide, and they actually gave it to me the other day. I have never been to the Bahamas other than airline and charter, so doing it on my own. That's why I was really curious as to what you went through to find out this information. But I really think this is a great guide from because I'm starting to read it also so that I can actually do it myself. Actually, that's than, the book you know, I want it. <laughs> get it. Oh, yeah. I, I, everybody I know that yeah. goes down there gets this first. And uh, actually, a lot of the local flight schools have courses on flying to the Bahamas. Maybe I'll read it and teach a course. Who knows? But uh, but the- uh, they do have the charts at the bottom where you can buy the charts for the VFR and like the wax scale, and and you can see it for the Caribbean and all. And they're only like ten bucks, I think, or what is it, ten fifteen dollars or something like that. But the whole yeah. guy, you can get the whole kit for like eighty or something. Yes, eighty eighty dollars. Neat stuff, though. It really is good stuff.
5: I think one of the scariest parts will be over um, being over water for that long. I remember mm-hmm. a coworker telling me, uh, he did this flight once and you just start thinking the engine is having problems because you're just <laughs> silence and it, you know just you're just in tune with the aircraft and you start hearing things and I was like, "Oh great, that's going to be me. <laughs> I'll be holding on to my life raft." Hmm.
1: So I actually have a question. Speaking of uh, life rafts, that's something that you can rent, or are you buying? How do you? How did you decided you're doing that with that uh, issue?
5: Well, I don't know about if a life raft will really fit, but you do have to have a approved Coast Guard approved life jacket. Okay. Um. But apparently, in Fort Lauderdale, you can rent them. Yeah, I I've
1: heard, just told I've no because I knew a guy who. Um, as somebody that I gave some instruction to in a Cessna 210 who then flew his plane from Virginia back to London and uh, I remember him renting one I think they were outrageously expensive to purchase so he ended up renting one but that's kind Great of business. also <laughs> a, different, uh, you know, a different type of flying too it's, I don't know I think it's probably longer because um, the Bahamas actually you would go down to Florida and, and where is it only about 70 ish miles or so to get to the yeah. Bahamas I believe yeah, it's about six. Yeah, it depending well. on the islands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So, you know, you're you it's know a little.
2: What? I was gonna say it's a little early on the planning, but you know, just as you were planning it, you know, in your head and and doing the rough sketches, what kind of, you know, what altitude do you do you get to in the plane you would use? You know, what, obviously you want to put enough altitude in there so you have some, you know, some additional safety margin for gliding. Do, had you thought that out, or do you know yet?
4: You know, I'd like to say the higher the better, but it's going to be such a short flight at times. Like in island hopping, actually, some of these flights are only going to be 15 minutes. So you kind of got to think about, is it worth it doing such an ascent? What's the longest leg? What's what's the
2: longest over water leg?
4: I think the longest leg over water is 45 minutes.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, that's not bad.
4: So, yeah, it's not bad at all.
2: Oh, I see Freeport. So I'm looking at the closest areas, like there's Freeport in Grand Bahama, and then, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I see. So, so you can get there in the short distance, and then, and then yeah, you can. Yeah, and you can, you hop, can hop
4: arrange around. it so you can try to stay over islands most of the time when you're hopping. Right. Um, I mean, there's tons of airports. It's amazing how many airports there are out there. But you have to make sure. So, I there's a lot of private ones where they're like, "Don't land here. You're not allowed." Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: fascinating.
3: You know, Victoria, I heard some pretty interesting suggestions from one of my partners. I don't know if I could just give you a couple hints. This is from what I've heard as far as going over there. And my one partner does this really smart thing. He takes a big garbage can and he puts things in there that you want to float just in case you go down. And then, for instance, wallets and those type of things. And then he double wraps it. So he traps air in there. So hopefully you've opened the doors before you've gone down, and you can throw that out the window. And what it does is, is because there's air in there, it'll float, and he can actually grab that. And he, he goes down there quite a bit. The other thing I notice he does, and he hasn't really uh, told me that this is a great idea. I just see him wear it all the time. It's called... Uh, it's inflatable life jacket, PFD. It's made by Revere, R-E-V-E-R-E. If you go to RevereSupply.com, they actually have aviation life jackets that are that are inflatable. And what he says he does is he puts it on uh, once he goes over the water, because you aren't you're going to get out with whatever you have on usually when you do if yep. you do go down. And uh, he he suggests doing that also. I was, I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. So packs things in bags and, and make sure that there's air in those bags so that they'll float around the airplane uh, once he gets out. I was like, wow, that's a cool idea. Just and a suggestion. That, I was like, that well,
4: inflatable I one sounds a lot more comfortable.
3: Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, if
4: any listeners so. have any ideas, suggestions, good ideas of places to go, just uh, send us though. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely cool Um, it's beautiful to fly around there though it's so it's gorgeous all the turquoise waters and you can actually see through the water and you can actually see some of the shipwrecks plane wrecks and even the big i don't want to see the plane wreck (laughs) (laughs) shipwrecks is what i meant to say shipwrecks (laughs) not air shipwrecks of course not no no not it's beautiful there
4: i'm excited hopefully in a couple months i'll be telling you all about the trip
3: and Bob will be taking pictures. Hopefully,
4: he better be.
1: We know he will. He
3: does.
5: <laughs> it's take his to job, f- take pictures. My job, to look pretty.
1: There you go. Very
2: easy. <laughs> you guys are very good at your jobs. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Good job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, well, great. I didn't know. Is there anything else that you had wanted to add to that, uh, Victoria? Um-
4: no, I got complimented. Let's just end it there. Wonderful. That sounds <laughs> <mess> like <laughs>
1: <laughs> always sounds, you know, you got something good and leave it where it's at. All right. Wonderful. Um, well, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to share, I kind of wanted to re um, or talk about no NOTAMs um, for a few minutes and then ask you guys a little bit about your experience. But um, recently, I guess there's been some changes and, and for listeners out there, uh, you know, student pilots, if you're just starting out, NOTAMs are um, called, they're, they're notices to airmen, and they're different sort of notices that are published by the FAA to, to inform us uh, pilots of certain uh, phenomenon going on out there. And I guess recently, and I, I don't know if I just was blind to it, or it sort of went under the radar, but I guess they consolidated, there's some major changes in the last six to uh, 18 months with some discussion and consolidating the different types of notam. So I did some research this afternoon to see uh, exactly how uh, what the new changes were and basically what I came up with is there used to be three kinds, a notam L which was local, a notam D which is a distant and an FT FD, FDC notam. And essentially what uh, what the FAA has done to in their continual efforts to adapt to ICAO standards, they have consolidated the uh, the local notams, the L notams, with the D notams. So, no, there is no more local notam. Uh, it is now all a D notam, and the stuff that a D notam covers is information that affects civil use airports navigation facilities and now in combination with being com- um, taking up the slack of the L notams include stuff like taxiway closures people and equipment uh, working in the area on uh, the runways and uh, anything else that was that used to be part of the L notam now an FDC notam is regulatory in nature and that covers things like amendments to instrument approach procedures other charts um Temporary flight restrictions, etc. So uh, I don't know. Did anybody else sort of see the change, or was I it, was it the only I uh, the only one that missed it, or did it kind of go slow, you know, quietly under the radar?
4: I had that, no idea. Well, but I, oops, sorry.
1: No,
3: I was going to say that was a little while ago, wasn't it? Well, see, that's what, what I was saying. About a year ago,
1: I, I totally missed it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
3: me too. Well, it, it's easy to miss though because it it has all the information still. Yeah, right. All the same information you right. get. It's just You're still getting a, just a different, somewhat different spot,
1: but right. So they've. Cons- I can yeah. yeah, They've consolidated it, and um, aside from you know, aside from some of the the most recent changes, I wanted to kind of talk about notams for another reason because you know when I went through my student pilot and private pilot training, I I was told what notams were, but I never really understood the importance of them. Uh, until I think I, uh, to be honest with you, I think until I started flight instructing and maybe even until I got to the airlines, uh, cause I, I just, for some reason, never thought to check them as frequently as I do now. And it was interesting. There was one day we were out flying around and I was flying with a buddy of mine and we decided we were going to go for our uh, obligatory $100 hamburger run to one of our local airports. And we're on our way down there, and Air Traffic Control asked me, he's like, are you aware of the, the NOTAM for Danville? And I was like, um, I guess not. And he said, well, um, at the, this particular day, there was, uh, I think it was the first day for a national event, for a NASCAR event, where where they were going to have, you were going to have to re- at some part, portion of later in the day require a slot reservation to get into the airport and it's common for some of these small feeder airports to re, to have uh, for you to as a pilot to reserve a slot for entry and departure during events like NASCAR and other things where there's high traffic there so he says to me are you familiar with this and I said I guess I'm not and he told me about it and he told me the, val- you know, the validity of it and fortunately it was later um, it was much later in the day from when we were going there but, uh, you know, it was my first lesson in saying, hey, stupid, you really you really forgot about NOTAMs for like the last, uh, you know, eight years of flying, as you probably should pay more attention to them. And uh, they've been really helpful at work. In fact, I got into the habit of I read the NOTAMs. Our paperwork at work, not only is it a flight release with uh, all of the aircraft performance in our flight plan, but it has the weather and it has all the NOTAMs for, uh, you know, for our point our point of departure, our point of arrival... And uh, if we have an alternate, the the information for that airport as well. And what I do now to make sure that I'm always aware of what's happening, because one, you know, one segue or one um, side note I should say is that you don't always find. I guess you know, maybe Carl and all you guys. um, I don't always find that the notams are current in the ATIS or the weather information that I get on the radio. Sometimes they're just not in there. Hmm. Uh, Has anybody else noticed that?
2: Well, there's the, yeah, there's more. There's usually seems to be more detail in the briefing
1: right. than there
2: is in just the standard sort of weather, you know, stuff. So that so I see way more stuff listed on my destination airport in that brief that I get online than exactly. I do listening to the uh, the uh, ATIS.
1: Right. Yeah. So now I just sit, you know, in the cruise flight of every um, in between in cruise flight for each each leg that we do. I now take out, uh, you know. The weather packet and review the NOTAMs and see what's going on mm-hmm. and um, it's been a real help to know what's going on at the airport there's a lot of things in there like some of these FDC ones that have to do with instrument approach procedures you can you can frequently be inundated with all the different changes to the charts and stuff um and so sometimes i you know staring at them my eyes get all glossy because there's so much information on on that side of it but the other information for whether or not there's a glide slope out of service a localizer or something else that's going to affect us and um you know so it's been really helpful and it's just been something that I, i like i said i don't know why it took me so long to get used to checking them um more consistently but you know, for the, probably the first eight years of flying, I sort of just forgot about them. And and I wanted to make a point that everybody, you know, there are important things in the NOTAMs that you want to make sure that, uh, like Rick said, if you don't see it online, um, you know, when you get an official weather briefing, make sure you check them and, and, and get the information on what's going on. Um,
2: I, I, th- I think I, you know, I think it is when you bump into a situation just like you did where something surprises you. Right. You, uh, Oh, I could have known that.
1: Yeah, I could and then have. You,
2: yeah, right. Yeah. And then you go, oh, I okay. And so I, um, I think I was I was going to a nearby airport, and there were several. Ta- I think I told the story before, but without the story details, the impact was there were several taxiways that were that were out, requiring taxi backs, and that was not what I was used to at that airport, and and I would have known that but i think i just you know i it's close it's i know that airport and i and i'm sure it was in the NOTAMs, but it wasn't in the obviously the the recorded weather you know right. they they don't they don't have ADIS at this airport so it you know it's like asos which is just you know, just the standard weather stuff. So, anyway, and that's when I started. Went, oh, I, I, there's more information there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I read through all of those and look at a chart, especially about where I'm going. You know,
1: and that you actually brought up an excellent point. Like at airports that you fly at with an ASOS or an AWOS, these these automated surface and automated weather observation systems uh, generally won't have the notams listed in them. Uh, so it's an, you know another reason to double check. Um, you know, get the the notams for the. Places that you intend to fly when you get that weather briefing. I mean, you know, if you're doing a diversion or going somewhere that's unintended, you could ask air traffic control or call Flight Watch or Flight Service Airborne and get updated on that information. But I was curious for my other co-hosts out there has uh, has like Rick, you were saying you weren't you you read the notams there and sort of gave you some information, but has has a notam ever helped you recognize a situation? And in the opposite, has it ever, in my case, surprised you? that you didn't know what was going on start with carl Any anytime that's ever happened
3: uh th- yeah it's, it, it's kind of hard to admit but i've missed a runway closure yeah I mean, that's a pretty important one right there and and of course it's the runway closure to the only ILS into the airport <laughs> you're going to that could be pretty exciting whoopsie and uh yeah whoops and and the other one i've noticed too is that i a procedure that wasn't available to me. For instance, I I can't, at work, I can't do an RNAV approach, but uh, the only thing available to get in because of the ceiling was an RNAV approach, and a 172 was getting in, and uh, some other aircraft, and I just, I guess I must have missed that in, in reading the NOTAMs, and I think there's actually some congressman or something that's putting forth a, a bill or making suggestions as to how we can make these NOTAMs a little bit more readable, and I'll, I'll be honest, there are times that uh, and I know we've all done this, where you look at a whole stream of NOTAMs, and you're like, oh my gosh, do I need to read every single one of these? And uh, yeah, it's pretty important, especially the ones that can be placed in positions where you don't think they'll be. For instance, the runway closures. And you're like, oops, right? I really should have caught that before I left. And, uh, but there's, there's some good tools for that. And I, I think really that the biggest thing that it was a big wake up call for me when I did this is say, oh boy, I need to, I need to really start reading these and going through them line by line mm-hmm. because the NOTUMs are not always in the order you think they'll be in. That's also so you true. Do, you do really need to look at every single one of them. And, uh, and also, they're, they're given in this format that is somewhat foreign. It, it's like an area forecast. You're like, what in the world are they trying to say with all these different shortcuts and abbreviations? And there is actually, there's a poster that they made, the FAA made, and it's called the d poster. I don't know if you remember that when they first came out with this whole change. And uh, I actually finally found, I'm sitting here browsing the Internet, and we'll put it up in the show notes, but it's on the uh, National Flight Data Center, and they have a, a poster about the d and how to actually read. Those NOTAMs like runway, taxiway, ramp, aprons, uh, com, everything, airspace, services, what services are available, when won't they be available, those type of things. And uh, we'll put that in the show notes. But that's very helpful because not only can I f- uh, have problems finding these NOTAMs, sometimes when I get there, I don't know, don't know what it says. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, now I've got to flip through this, this book to figure out what, what are they trying to tell me. And, uh, and that's when you try to ask your friends, hey, what is this? <laughs> can you help me out here? But, uh, those, yes, I've, I've made those mistakes and that's the biggest thing that I learned is read every single line.
1: Right. Right. And it sounds like Rick sounds like you've gotten into a kind of a comfortable habit of checking them out as well now.
2: Yeah. Now, yeah, now I do read through them. There's a funny one the other day, this was less, less of a crucial situation, but I didn't realize I had not been to Norwood in a while and, and I didn't realize they were fixing uh, large portions of the apron and and the near, the near end taxiways and, Based on what was clo- the de- the descriptions of what was closed in the um, in the ATIS was hilarious. I-, I had never heard such a long list of closures. So I actually stopped what I was doing and got out a chart, you know, a, a taxi diagram to to confirm that in my head I was building the right map of what the airport, you know, reality was. And it was, it was very interesting. I was like, oh, that's very informative and incredibly detailed. And I, I, you know, and I know there's a lot of stuff out there. So yeah, I have, I do, I, I, I'm sure there's times when I'm missing some small details, even going into somewhere new though, you know, if you, especially going to somewhere new you know oh there's a there's a tower about this high at the approach end of this runway you know i i, I like to sort of look for those things even though i think well i'll be above that or I, that won't really be near where i am oh yeah there's that tower they mentioned you know it's like a it be, it helps you build a mental picture ahead of time so there's a lot of stuff in there that that's useful so anyway
1: oh excellent uh, victoria how about yourself any experience with notams helping you or surprising you
5: um well, we can beat Carl because the other day we were flying somewhere, uh, Florida, and we wanted to stop at this one uh, airport for cheap gas and pull up the ATIS and the whole airport was closed. So, um, yeah, that would have been nice Whoops. to know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so much for that cheap gas. <laughs>
5: exactly. And then we had to settle for uncheap gas elsewhere. It was uh. a big pain in the butt. Um I don't have any instances that where it really helped, but I did want to note um, earlier when you were talking about them combining the um, mm-hmm. NOTAMs is uh, the FAA test, the written exam yeah. for pilots, it still questions you, and they're separate on there. So, um, I mean, that really? test hasn't been updated in years, and that can open up a whole other topic, because I know some mm. people are really mad about that, but um, that is a question on the written exam. Mm. So don't go by today's standards when answering it. Go by like 1970. <laughs> yeah.
1: Go by what's in the, in the training book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, good to know. Well great. And I'd love to hear from our listeners out there if you've ever encountered any opportun- you know any um, flying out there where uh same question, you know, where a NOTAM has either saved your bacon or um has put you in a pickle by not knowing that something was out there. So, love to hear from you. Uh, leave us a comment on the blog or Twitter or Facebook. Um and uh so great well carl um you wanted to i know uh you you and I have talked a little bit about some of these clearances that we get at work and how they can be confusing oh, yeah. and uh you were gonna share with us how to distinguish you know altitude and airspeed restrictions on a uh, an arrival procedure
3: yes and and it's interesting because. You know, we, this, of course, it goes towards our, our instrument pilots and also those who are, are planning on uh, learning and, and are learning their, uh, to get their instrument ratings. Uh, concerning arrivals, there's been quite a discussion lately, uh, especially on my website. There's been a lot of back and forth with people that there's, a, there's some confusion as to what to do while they're on a star, okay, and while they're on an arrival procedure, and whether they've been cleared to use that star. So just real quickly, if you are uh, given a clearance, okay, so you file a flight plan, you're given a clearance, and that includes an arrival, okay, you have a clearance to your destination, which includes that arrival. So therefore, you will fly that arrival. I know that sounds basic, but just keep that in mind while I start my discussion that, yes, you are going to fly that full arrival, where people get really confused and and don't feel bad about being confused about this because one of the main deviations we've had at the airlines is people not crossing at the right altitudes or the right airspeeds on arrivals and there is a difference between a mandatory altitude and a mandatory airspeed and an altitude or an airspeed to expect a big difference between the term expect and cross at a specific altitude. So let me, let me break these down because this gets really confusing to a lot of folks. While you're on an arrival, okay, you have, say, an, a mandatory airspeed, a cross at a specific airspeed. Say it's 210 knots at a fix. If you are told to cross, or you're not even told, if you're on that arrival and it says to cross at 210 knots, you have to cross at that airspeed. The biggest question that comes up is, well, what if I wasn't told to descend? That's not part of your descent. That is actually part of the arrival. So you still must cross at that that airspeed. This comes up a lot at work. And I don't know if you get this also, uh, Len, where you're approaching this fix and saying, oh, do we need to cross at that airspeed? Yes, you sure do. Do you do you feel that? Do you get that sometimes about the airspeeds, Len? Uh, occasionally, yeah. It, it,
1: well, and some of the question also comes into the frequency that we fly into these airports, and sometimes you just don't know if air traffic control is going to give you the restriction because half of the time they don't. And you know, so you're like, "Well, am right. I going to get it today, or am I not?" So some some of these places, I don't even take it so, seriously.
3: Well, they and but it's on the chart, so there is that restriction. And that's if right. you have a question, of course, you're going to ask, just like you're you were kind of alluding to there. If you see that restriction, we're talking about airspeeds now, and that's it is that you need to cross at that airspeed, okay? So, and if they haven't given it to you, you need to ask. Now, the next thing that people get confused on is the altitude. You really you cannot leave an assigned altitude until you've been given a clearance. Until you've been given a clearance to leave and assign altitude, you cannot leave. So there's a clearance called a descend via clearance. And if you're given that descend via clearance, there may be altitude restrictions or there will be altitude restrictions on the arrival. You, have to, you must, must comply with all those altitude restrictions. But do you comply with those before you're given the descent clearance? No. You're not, you do not comply with those until you're given the clearance. So for altitudes, you must be given a clearance to descend or descend via, or an air traffic controller can tell you to cross a specific fix at an altitude. Where most people get really confused on this one is when they're looking at the chart, and it tells you vertical navigation planning to expect to cross at an altitude that is just for your own edification and for your own planning and not until air traffic control tells you to cross at that altitude will you do that But this is where people then get even more confused they give you this descend via clearance and the descend via clearance if there is a hard altitude restriction you must cross at that altitude so again what i do and i tell everybody i fly with and all my students when they start looking at arrivals break it down to two things number one altitude Number two, airspeed. Airspeed simple. If it says you have to cross at a specific airspeed, you have to cross at that airspeed whether you're given a clearance or not. If you're confused, ask. Always ask. Altitudes, you cannot start down until you're told to start down. And if the air traffic controller tells you to descend via an arrival, you must meet all the altitude restrictions. I hope that that explains it and I'd love to hear questions from folks cuz I know this is this is a little bit confusing. I'll tell you why because when you read this in the instrument procedures handbook and in instrument flying handbook it, it is a little bit confusing how they explain it there. So I I would like to hear some feedback from some folks if they do have any confusion on this. Yeah, well I'll also Any uh, questions from the, from our folks here <laughs> from our co-hosts.
2: <laughs> no, it's fascinating no? stuff though. I mean I yeah, I mean I for me I practically speaking, I, I get it, but I also don't have a practical, you know, you know, I'm not doing it every day. So
3: but but if you see that, and you will see that on some arrivals, it's usually you know for turbojets. But there are a few for propeller-driven right. aircraft where you're given that speed restriction. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies to departures. But I'm not talking about departures right now. But this this really hangs up a lot of folks, especially uh, even in some written exams and some. I see this a lot when I'm doing instrument proficiency checks. And I know Rick, you're going to look towards actually getting your instrument rating. Yeah. you Take a look at those. Take a look at arrivals. There, as a matter of fact, I'll give you everybody a, a, an arrival to look at. Uh, And as an example, and that's the Tex-Mex 1 at uh, Houston, IAH, George Bush Intercontinental, Tex-Mex 1. It has vertical navigation planning, expect clearance, uh, and expect clearance to cross an altitude. But it also has airspeed restrictions on there. And ask yourself what you need to do. And if you have any questions, of course, you can email me. And they have Glockamoli. And we'll answer and they have guacamole, and they have, <laughs> they, you're right, they have guaco, guaco queso, queso, tequila, <laughs> <tex-mex>. tequila, <laughs> cerveza, <laughs> Jose, worm, they have the worm. They do have worm, I <laughs> forgot about know, worm. Yes, they have worm on it also. <laughs> it's a fun arrival. It is. But don't get yourself in a tizzy on this one, just just kind of look at it and say, what would I do, and how would I do this? The Jeppesen charts are much easier to read, I think. Because they tell you exactly, okay, you need to cross at this altitude. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I'm, I'm going to make sure that Victoria, in, the, any, in the show notes that we... That one,
3: I, I, know you. Well, yes, I was just going to say real quick,
1: yeah, because you put a blog post out about this actually on your website. So I'll make sure that it's, folks yeah. can uh, can get to that.
3: But I'll be doing another one on just airspeed and, okay. and altitude restrictions. And, uh, because th- this comes up a lot. I, I really, it's something that's hard to wrap your... Your head around, and I think it's because the FA really hasn't done a great job of explaining it in their manuals. But it's mm-hmm. it's really simple if you, you can go over that a couple times in your head and do it. Mm-hmm. But I won't beat a dead horse, so just look at it a uh, look at it a hundred <laughs> times, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Very
5: good. If I've never been given a speed restriction, does it mean it's time for a faster airplane?
3: <laughs> Pro- uh, might be. Um, yes, as a matter of fact, yes, you should get a faster airplane. I vote yes. Especially if you're right. going to the Bahamas. You can go,
5: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if somebody else a is a second.
1: and especially if somebody else is buying.
5: Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Good point.
1: Don't tell Bob. I just <laughs> I just spent all his money.
5: <laughs> yes, you did. He'd be happy though.
1: I well yeah, I think that he would. That's that's good. Um <laughs> awesome well i appreciate that call and uh, like i said we'll we'll make sure to reference the blog posts if, uh, for folks who have more questions and want to learn a little bit more about that so um well great and if
3: i've really confused anybody please write me because <laughs> so i I'll, I'll try to explain it have you end.
1: confused yeah. yourself
3: <laughs> no 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 I'm, i've got it now I've, I've looked at it a thousand times i do that a hundred, all the
5: time a thousand. <laughs>
1: our picks of
0: the week
5: <laughs>
1: Well, how about we move on to uh, the next part of the show, the the fun, the additional fun part where we get to share these aviation, fun aviation products and services out there. And I know there's a couple of, actually Rick and Victoria have, um, well, everybody's got a pretty neat one. I think mine's kind of boring, but anyway, everybody else seems to have a pretty neat one. We'll start out uh, with Rick, who, um, when you sent me the email about your your pick of the week, I, I was like, this sounds pretty cool and it reminds me. I don't know if it's in there, but of uh, I don't know if you ever were around when old Tumac Airport used to be around there in Massachusetts.
2: Yeah, this is. Um, <clears throat> and speaking of you know, checking notums to make sure the airport is still there, um, this is a website uh, that we will have a link to, um, <clears throat> run by a, a gentleman named Paul Freeman, and I've, I'd heard about this a while ago, and. In checking it again today, was you know surprised and happy to see that it's still being pretty constantly updated. And this is called um, abandoned and little known airfields. The the URL is uh, airfields-freeman.com, F R E E M A N. So it's www.airfields-freeman.com, and basically by state, it's a listing of um, either. Little known airfields, or probably more importantly uh, airfields that have uh, disappeared or that are still there um, and that you fly over, but that are closed. and if you've always you know wondered what is that or what was that? and you know given the sad state of uh, affairs with uh, regard to airport closures, there's a lot more of those. and um, you know, so uh, obviously a very fun one to click on if you go to there is Illinois and you can look up Meg's field, and it's a very long post with the entire history of Meg's from. Uh, glorious beginnings to to uh it's a sort of sad demise the way the way it went down so uh, but but there's also nice obscure ones and and again you can look up uh, whatever you need to look up and it's incredibly rich database of stuff um and so for people interested in uh airports and their history it's a great site so we'll uh put a link in the metadata for the show awesome yeah.
5: i like that site a lot i've been there several times it's pretty cool to browse through
2: yeah it's
5: Cool.
1: there's one in particular now that I'm going to know that that site exists. I always fly over it going and uh, it's just north of St. Louis Lambert has like this huge airport. Um mm. and I can I can never find it. I look on Google Maps and I can't find it. So I wonder if that's where it is. I'm going to check that out.
2: Yeah, it's cool.
1: Awesome. Uh Victoria, tell us about your uh your balloon boyfriend. Not boyfriend, but boy friend. <laughs> You're
5: going to start some trouble. <laughs> boy. Balloon boy. No, we've been um, helping out with uh, uh, crewing for the hot air balloon tailwind for, um, since like I think the spring, and I was surprising how enjoyable it is actually to help on the ground and how much work goes into uh, putting a balloon together, getting it ready for flight, and then uh, tearing down to, so to speak, and um I've really uh, enjoyed helping that out, and of course, it's fun to go in on as well, and I have been on a hot air balloon ride before, but it was in a balloon basket that fit like 12 people. Wow. And this balloon um, has it fits about four, so it's a much more intimate and personal experience. And uh, recently, Tailwind is now um, selling rides, and the public can go and take rides around um, the Frederick, uh, Maryland area. Um, you can go to Facebook.com uh, slash Tailwinds over Frederick. Go ahead and like them. And they're offering a bunch of great deals and um, promotional stuff right now. And it's a beautiful balloon, beautiful area to fly over, and a really great experience if you have never been in a balloon before.
1: I'm jealous I still haven't gone yet.
5: You need to.
1: I know. i got to get in touch with him.
5: He, but- he flies quite a bit. He was flying tonight, actually. But I couldn't help because I had to be somewhere.
1: This this is just you as guys. cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, um, cool. Well, I wanted to uh, I wanted to share a quick piece of hardware that I got a chance to uh, play with out at Oshkosh, and it's the um, it's the Spot Messenger. Um, this is this particular one is the Bluetooth appliance that you can use with your smartphone. And, uh, the spot messenger is, it's, it's sort of like a personal locator beacon and a, a sort of a emergency distress beacon, but it's a very small device that you can, um, you can buy for, I think it's, um, well, they're about under $200 and it's got a yearly membership and it allows you to do a few things. Uh, like, you know, if you're ever in distress, if you're a hiker or an airplane boating or something, you can send out an SOS signal that's very similar to sending out, um, you know, a signal with your like your ELT would, and it would notify authorities and whoever you have on your notification list that um, you're in some sort of um, you know peril or need uh, assistance. And this particular appliance works uh, with, like I said, it's Bluetooth and it works. With your cell phone. And so they talk about no cell phone signal, no problem. Because what it does is this new appliance, the other ones had previously, uh, the the first generation's model, you have like pre-programmed messages where you can say, I'm okay, and have it sent out to like five or 10 people on your list, or I need help. This new appliance actually allows you to, they they sell data plans, basically like a text messaging plan that allows you to send messages to the internet. So not only does it do tracking and... um, and help you, you know, give you rescue services, but it can also allow you to send messages uh, to the Spot Messaging website, to Twitter, to Facebook, keep your family members updated. And I know a few people that use them, and they seem to like it, and like I said, I got a chance to check it out at Oshkosh, and it's a neat little device, uh, especially if you're doing a lot of flying. I've seen, it's kind of fun, actually, to watch uh, some of my friends that I know have one tweeting and Facebooking their way across, you know, updating their position During, I know a gentleman who does a lot of uh, a lot of civil air patrol, and I get to watch his missions live as he shares this, um, you know, in his social media sites. So it's a pretty cool device, Um, and I, I can't say that I would use it as a replacement to an ELT and or a personal locator beacon for for flying. But you know, for hiking and other other things like that, it's definitely a great tool. In fact, I probably would have a Spot Messenger and one of those miniature personal locator beacons if I was flying in some really remote areas. Um, just to ensure, because of their price points, they're so low, I wouldn't ins- you know, have both devices. But um, check it out. It's, let me see if I can find the website here. I think it's Spot. Uh, let's see. I can't find it quick enough. All right. Well, I'll make sure that we put that in the show notes. But um, neat device, for sure. So, um, Well, cool. Carl, you visited this evening, actually, with a gentleman whose uh, pick of the week you're going to talk about.
3: Yes, yes. Actually, I had the pleasure of meeting with David Vanderhoof, and he actually is with uh, airplanegeeks.com, another podcast, and uh, they talk all things aviation. And he, uh, it was, I'm actually here in Philadelphia right now looking over the runway, and we discussed his website and his blog about aviation history. And it's called What Just Flew By, whatjustflewby.blogspot.com. And boy, David is probably the second most knowledgeable person I know about aviation history. The the only other person I know that probably knows more is the curator of the uh, uh, aviation museum, the Air Force Aviation Museum. David is is amazing. He's been described as a walking encyclopedia of aviation history. And what I like about his website is that he has a ton of content. If you want to know something about some obscure aircraft, like I'm into uh, the ME-262s or the Pete and Paul or any of those airplanes, you can find it on his website. But not only will you find some history, you'll find all the history. You'll find some background, the story behind it. And David is, is an outstanding historian and, and actually has his uh, – he studied uh, military history and diplomacy at uh, Temple and uh, he actually has one of, the, one of the best aviation history websites that I know of. And I've searched all over for this. And he, he has some incredible pictures. He's really into airplanes. And I actually, we, we visited, had dinner tonight, and I promised him a, a, a flight in an airplane. I'm actually going to come down and pick him up and, and take him up. He's been in some pretty cool aircraft. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite airplanes is right there at the, uh, at the top of... Uh, of the page, and that's that's a steerman that he has there, so it's uh, what just flew by, and it's by an airplane ge- it's uh, an airplane geeks view of aviation and history, and uh, he's terrific if you have a question, you have a picture you want to send him about something you took a picture of and don't know what it is, send it to david he'll he'll be the one to figure it out so i really I highly suggest his website and a terrific guy also fun very cool yeah. That's the first us, us, us aviation history geeks out there.
5: When are you going to come
1: take me for a ride in this super-duper plane you've got?
3: Um, wow, on the spot. Oh, that Whenever. A big delay. <laughs> <laughs> Any time you like, there. Glenn. <laughs> I, I forgot what airport Yeah, I was I'll, like, I'll come down. Which, Where are you? Anyway, then I was thinking,
1: <laughs> which airplane am I even talking about?
3: <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm in, I'm in a couple flying clubs. Yeah, so I know. I was I'll, just thinking, I'll, I'll go to the one closest to you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, anytime you want, we'll, we'll go up in the 182 or the you know the 172 or something. But uh, but yeah, I gotta take I gotta take David up. I did promise him a flight. But uh, again, a real terrific guy, a real knowledgeable guy, though. Know.
1: Oh, awesome, um, yeah. Rick. You wanted to? There was something that you forgot to mention.
2: Yeah, there's, but unre, uh, unrelated, but a bit of a shout out. I don't know if any of you've seen this yet, and I thought I would throw it out there. And as it's very early, because I've been to the website now, and I don't think there's any episodes yet. But there appears to be starting up a new. Uh, aviation podcast um celebrating basically and and discussing the history of of women in aviation <gasps> specifically
4: I went there today <laughs> box,
2: box office right
4: yes yeah yes yeah. well then very excited go ahead
2: you you, pro- you may have explored it more but would you agree that it sounds like it's uh, Ziola t mix yes. i think is, is and who on twitter is Sapovadea um, Sapova Dea. And, um,
1: you got that right. That's pretty
2: good. Yeah. What's what's up over there. Right. Sapova Dea. Anyway. Um, (laughs) and, uh, spoken spoken by an uncool, uh, white guy. Uh, (laughs) uh, but anyway, no, it looks, it looks, um, it looks really like she's going to be doing some cool stuff there. And it just seemed like what a, what a great, you know, what a great, uh, much needed kind of, um, site and, uh, and soon to come, I guess, podcast. So anyway. I just
5: stole my next pick of the week.
2: Uh, well, okay. Oh, you know yes. what? You can mention it again because there will be, right now, there's not. It'll
5: totally be worth it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to, you know what? I won't even say the URL yet.
5: No, it's, say it.
2: No, don't. Okay, see. Do okay, Len, you have to tie break this.
1: Okay. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Say it.
2: Uh, <laughs> the, the box blogspot.com and the, the website is called the box office boxx yeah. office and it's uh, the box office all one word, dot blogspot.com and now, uh,
5: so you think that's movie sounding go ahead, it's uh, called you, the you, box office
2: can tell them this. because
5: all flight crew um, when there was a cockpit full of women that's what they called it the box office
2: so uh, to quote the, the the website the term box office is a play on the word cockpit <laughs> and we'll leave it at that yes let's let's please <laughs> But I think it's very clever and and, yeah. uh, and uh, it's pretty exciting. So I, I will let someone else mention it when there's a an episode to report on, which I think will come soon.
5: Yeah, I think she's doing uh, coming up in the next few weeks here. So
2: yeah, very cool.
1: Well, thanks for letting us know about that. I hadn't I hadn't seen that. So uh,
2: yeah, I think uh, Victoria and I monitor Twitter while you guys are are flying. because that's it was was Facebook I uh, I haven't
1: been on in so long I've definitely been slacker the after landing checklist awesome well it's been um, it's been real fun getting together this is the second you know second time we've actually tried simulcasting the uh, podcast recording via Ustream love to hear any comments from folks who have actually tuned into the Ustream uh, broadcast and let us know what you think if you enjoyed it if we should continue doing it Uh, I wanted to thank everybody for All their topics tonight and getting together. What's you know another night of great information and shared with everybody out there from uh, myself, Len Costa, Victoria Nouvel, and Rick Felty um, and Carl Valeri. Let's not forget Carl. Uh, Well, thank you for tuning in and listening to another episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Oh, actually, before I do go, how how can uh, folks get in, in touch with everybody? We'll start with Victoria.
5: Um, on Twitter, I'm at ToriaFly, and my blog, as well as other contact info, is Toriaflies.blogspot.com.
1: Awesome. How about you, Rick?
2: R Felty on Twitter and R D Felty on YouTube and RickFelty.com. Awesome, Carl.
3: Expert Aviator on Twitter and also uh, website is ExpertAviator.com.
1: Fantastic. So once again, from everybody here at the Stuck Mike Avcast, thanks for tuning in. We all wish you clear skies and calm winds. Take care.
0: been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com. A Len Costa production.